Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 20-3. That's Podcast World 20, episode 3, and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. I'm Pernet. Every week we listen to great music from just all the video games. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how. We're going to find some great music, we're going to listen to it, we're going to chat about it, and we're going to chat about everything else in between. We dig them up, we sift them out. And we <clears throat> hope they're good, but never guarantee. But at the same time, that's part of the adventure, right? Yeah, See the show the is good. an adventure, right? That's right. I find that it's an adventure. Sometimes we pick a topic that I don't know enough about it. And so I end up doing a little uh, research and digging around, and I find stuff that I really like. Some might say digging into the carts. Digging through the carts. I dig through the websites. <laughs> the digital dive. Yeah. Um, uh, was it Zofar's domain is a great resource. VGM um, rips.net is an excellent resource. Of course, YouTube is a great resource. Just I just throw rocks at walls. And Pernell just digs through his memory. That's what I, I do, uh, except I, for composers. That's why it's kind of fall apart. Yeah, but I don't know how, how you have the capacity to remember so many things. Simple. I don't remember anything else. <laughs> I, don't. I, I have games, and then that's it. That's what we... Um, oh, and Samson. And, some, also, and Garbage Pail Kids. And Spicy Foods. And Magic the Gathering cards. Nope, nope. Know nothing about those. And birds. Uh, oh. No. Maybe some of our listeners will have this, um, this will, will relate, but like someone, like my wife, will uh, see someone on Facebook and say, oh, you remember this person with this name? And she'll just say the name. And I'll say, nope. She's like, well, they said that they were good friends with you in like junior high. I'm like, I don't remember them. Don't don't remember the name. Now I feel real bad about it. <laughs> like, like I don't remember anything. Like what happened? You got you got filed away into the Rolodex, and then it just kind of got lost in the cobwebs. Yeah, That's what happened. did it get like shoved out of the way for more video game composers? It's possible. Like, I mean, you also do the IT bit, so maybe you take a lot of IT facts on, and they just kind of. Like, I remember Norio Hanzawa, but I don't remember. I don't even know who that is. My fourth grade teacher. I remember my fourth grade teacher. That's uh, wait. Ajuka Hanzawa, but I don't know my fifth grade teacher. Now, that one I know. <laughs> I know because her daughter wrote in my yearbook, oh. my, you're not as bad as my mother claims you are. Are you serious? Could you not? I want a picture. Because <laughs> so she used to go home from, She used to go home from school every night and complain about me. No way. Kid you not. That's why I was amazed because you're her not, daughter would come visit class. And we all got bad. along with her. <laughs> so then we decided to sign the yearbook. That's what she wrote in my yearbook. I was like, what the heck? Oh, my God. I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. She That's hated like, me. It's depressing, and but it's funny now. Oh, yeah. She, it's, she confiscated garbage pail kid cards of mine. She confiscated my freaking classic Marvel... Like full set of Marvel comic book cards that oh, were from I used, Tops, I used which to were those actually too. worth money. Yeah, as opposed to the were clear. They? I'm pretty sure they were. I collected those. If they um, weren't, then I'm sad. I had a bunch of foil ones that I had like in those little plastic cases. Oh yeah, it's like that's what I mean. Like they back then, these we always told ourselves at least they would be <laughs> worth money. Well, they look shiny, right? Yeah, they no, they were shiny. Mm. Those I had were pristine. Remember, remember when the Simpsons first started making comic books? And there was a Simpsons comic book. There was a Radioactive Man comic book. There was an Itchy and Scratchy comic book. I don't remember half of them. And there was a Bartman comic book. 
Because I wasn't big into comics back then. I tried to get yeah. into comic books. I was more into the cards for some strange reason. I remember seeing them all, and I bought um, the first editions of those because I, I like The Simpsons, and like, it wasn't expensive, and I was a kid, and I was like, fun, they're foil foil covers. And um, I don't know where they are now, but like it was just so interesting. Like Now like I, like I see comics nowadays. I'm like, I wonder if like the number one is worth anything or if it's... It, does it matter that it's worth anything? Did I enjoy it? The Itchy and Scratchy comic was everything you would expect it to be. It was just like, violence it on was pages. Just, it was just violence. It was violence and like stupidity. It was great. Because I can't imagine them writing a plot around Itchy and Scratchy. No, 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 not at all. Which is why I really do wonder what the Itchy and Scratchy movie was in the Simpsons universe. <laughs> because I honestly can, at best, I can fathom it being sort of like how the Tom and Jerry movie was, where like they could suddenly have full <laughs> conversations and they become friends to save another animal or some crap. You, you know, I didn't expect there to be a Simpsons movie, and then they created it, and I was like, oh, of course that's a Simpsons movie. Yeah, but the Simpsons movie made sense. It's just take an episode and, and stretch it for an hour and a half. Yeah, make a really long one. Yeah, but Itchy and Scratchy is literally, here's a weird scenario. Oh, crap, he just cut his stomach. Or they could do what South Park did and just make a musical. Which was fantastic. Which was also amazingly, like, surprisingly, like, funny and fun. And oh, surprisingly, nothing. The, the, the writers are smart. Oh, yeah. The well, problem me, is sometimes okay. the material doesn't click. Maybe, maybe I was just young, but when that came out, like, I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, I was like, oh, it's just, a, you know, guys who write, you know, like, you know, stupid cartoons on Comedy Central that's, like, over the top and stupid and funny and offensive. And then suddenly they do that. But that was before the Book of Mormon. That was before season 20 of South Park. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're up there. Or whatever man. they're doing now. Um, so anyway, last week I labeled the podcast or titled the podcast 90s Cartoons and Other Obsessions. Even though the, 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 the that wasn't exactly the topic of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just that we ended up talking about the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Thanks, Mike. For about twenty minutes, <laughs> he brought it on. It's like he made that. He he made a quest. He made a statement. I'm like, wait a minute, I got to talk about. No, that. I don't mean to bring it back. I don't mean to bring it back. But I saw something online where someone's trying to recreate Mario Brothers in the style of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. You know, the real sad thing here it's is kind of crazy looking. It's two things. Yeah, one. It's sad because you know it's going to get a cease and desist. There's no way it's not. Oh, Nintendo. Nintendo does not mess around. No, they Nintendo don't. Nintendo is knocking on your door now. If you think you're home just playing your Switch and you don't you do not do anything creative online or whatever, they're already at your door. They're yeah. preemptively. They're, they're, um, they're like a minority report. You know, they got like precogs. They know. They know. Pre-crime. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo pre-crime division. They've already shut down your YouTube page. But the other thing <laughs> is just the fact that Nintendo should have done this on their own ages ago. They really should have. Oh, yeah. Because, again, just got a quick retouch is that due to how the Super Mario Brothers show came about, they had they took so much free reign mm-hmm. over what they could do that they came up with worlds and locations that the games <laughs> never had. So, and they could totally oh, make something funny out of that in the game. I know. There's like so much they expanded on they could do. But... The Nintendo is so strict about everything, and they're so litigious. It's because they want they they want to stay in control of their properties, they which want, is fine. But their I'm characters just, they want to maintain that image of their characters the way they intend it to be, which is totally it's like fine. The whole Mickey Mouse. Like, but all I'm saying is, yeah. I want to escape from Koopa Trash State Prison with the Mario Brothers, <laughs> and I think that should be allowed in a Nintendo <laughs> game. Well, that that's funny because I was thinking about that, and I was watching um, Game Grumps this afternoon, and 
they are taking it upon themselves to play all of the worst rated Nintendo Switch games. Which I'm is, trying to think of what they could be because I mean they, they get are, shovelware on there. There's some really bad stuff, and and they find it extra funny because they've actually developed some games. They developed Dream Daddy, and to get it on the Nintendo. Wait, they were the ones who did Dream Daddy. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, um, them and a bunch of artists. Like they've all put that together. Um, yeah, Aaron Hansen has like five companies. Like he's constantly working, um, and they. <laughs> They um they they had they, they Nintendo gave them the hardest time to release it on on their on their platform the hardest time which I can't I'm actually wondering why that is it can't be because of depravity or anything no, like that no it wasn't they opened it, the doors on it that. was just like so many so many people had to like all the QA all the testing all, oh, all the review sure so everything works well and then the, and then they start playing these horrible horrible 3D games that are like buggy they're breaking oh yeah all this stuff and that, that makes no sense the english is like really bad the localization is terrible i just reviewed one it's the other wild. day it's wild it was like a yeah. rpg it's funny RPG it's funny for where, sure yeah like during the cinema scenes characters would just start randomly walking off into the wall and mm-hmm. just keep walking up against <laughs> the wall i've done sections where the character would just fall into the floor and you're like slashing through the floor and that I feel like they just kind of do whatever sometimes with that thing. Oh, There's not a t- I'm surprised they made them go through a ton of testing because it's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's it's hard to make a video game. It takes time. Like, even like the, even like a bad game, it takes time to do. Oh yeah. And then like to get it on the Nintendo platform, it takes money. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of money. It's it's crazy to me. But when it's on there, oh baby. Let me tell you, it's on the Switch. It's on the Switch. And I'm struggling already. Like, I'm doing my don't buy games thing. It's yeah, how's, been, how's it's that going? going? It's so, only the so third, pr- and it's terrible. Purnell, not buying games for the month of October. I I am I'm with you, man. I'm, I don't I'm like it. Stick with it. I don't like it. You can do it. It's only the third, and I've been on the store looking for sales. Don't and go. I'm like, don't click. But I want to know what's on sale. Man, you can't do it. And I started taking a list of stuff. The Oprah didn't comes out this month. Indivisible comes out next week. Man, you never play those games. Come I on. know, but they feel good to own. I don't. It's crazy. You will own them in the future. It's so and crazy. And if you don't, then they're not worth owning. And you know the best part? Yeah. Just reiterate on a point that I had to make to some folks where they're mm-hmm. like, well, just play your own games. Which don't get me wrong. That is what you should do. I mean. You play because you own them. You should play them. Right. But the, of that, and then there's the, other, the added element of, uh, well, just like you have tons to play, which means you don't wait. It doesn't matter. Like, mm. so to that, I say it goes back to the consumerism thing and why it, why it factors in. I get game through the review circuit. I'm reviewing. This is probably yeah. the largest load of games to review this month that I've had all year. You're just, you're just given games to review. Yeah. I right. get games for free. They want your opinion. Yes. And so I still go and buy you. games. <laughs> And I still buy them. I know, but some of the games they give you. Some are bad. <laughs> some are not some great. Some are, I will say this. <laughs> like, I'm going to let you say it. I, 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 I'll say it like this. <laughs> as far as games that are just like outright, no, this is atrocious, never play it, I can count on probably one hand the number of those I've gotten throughout the year. Yeah. With that said, though, I am very forgiving when it comes to critiquing a game, because I know that everyone likes different stuff. So when I critique something, I'll hit it with statements that akin to, well, try play this game in the event of these factors. Mm-hmm. I basically lay it on the table. If you don't want to double you want to do any of this stuff, don't buy it. But otherwise, you'll like it because those are the only faults I could find. But if it was just me hanging out by myself with fifty bucks to spend, 
Yeah, there's been a number of them. Like, not not today, buddy. I can't play you right now. Not Which today. is why, if you listen to any of my reviews, mm-hmm. I know at least mm-hmm. Dan does, who's listening. Um, if you listen to any of my reviews, just know, listen to the words I say, <laughs> because they really matter. They yeah. really matter. But this month, though, it's been all good games. All good, good games. Oh, that's good to know. So I've got a... Uh, so what, 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 are, what are one or two highlights? Before we get into the topic and the music, what are, what are one or two highlights so far? So even though I'm well behind in the series, so I'm going to be spoiling it from us. I have Trails of the Cold Steel 3. I've had that for about a week now. Cool. Um, Alliance Alive HD. I just reviewed Darksiders 2 on the Switch, which I know is a remaster, so it's <laughs> like new, but I still I know you said Darksiders, but I was imagining like a dark... Like apple cider. Mm, Sounds cider. pretty good. Yeah. I got Code Vein. Okay. I got to review that soon. Um, crap, what else? There's like, I have like five or six and they're all taking up my time. That's the problem. Mm. Um, it's like an RPG I'm playing. It's amazing how I'm, not even, I'm having trouble remembering the door. Oh, Mary Skelter Nightmares 2. I'm reviewing that. You like Mary Skelter. Yeah, I like do. The other one, yeah. So this is the sequel to that. Cool. I'm reviewing that. It's a game called TikTok Travelers. So I'm reviewing that. There's a lot of games like just sitting on my plate. These are all deep, like meaty games. Yeah. So like I'm gonna be putting like a fair number of hours into each one. I'm not gonna beat any of them. Not really a spoiler. <laughs> this goes with the Purdale way. But yeah. I'd like to play enough of them to be able to yeah. say what I enjoy playing this game. Because I stand okay. by the statement of you don't have to beat a game to know if it's fun. You don't have to beat a game. To suddenly de- determine the value. Not everybody completes games. I think that everyone has to be okay with that. I yeah. think I think that's a given. Um, what percentage of games do you think you go back to? From the review circuit? Yeah, like you get a bunch in review over the course of the month. And then what are some nights where you're like, I don't feel like doing this. I want to go back to a game that I had played before. I want to I want to do more of it. It's hard to even give a percentage. Not because cause the problem is... Actually, yeah. I could give a percentage, yeah, but there's how, a reason about, behind well, it. Well, about how often does it happen? Let's say... I go at fifteen percent. I think, but those, the reason yeah. being is because it's a solely a time thing. For example, I reviewed. Uh, uh, you needed more time into it. I need more time in my life. So, for example, I reviewed um, Labyrinth of Refrain. I think last fall, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm still playing it. I got like sixty hours into that game, but I still play it. And I'm going back to Death End Request. I still play it. I reviewed that last spring. But yeah, I still play it. The problem is just sometimes time in there because I buy new games for myself that I want to play. Well, that's the reviews that I do. Well, I'm and saying then, that, that those games, then those those are the games I feel like are that are breaking through. Oh and yeah, that, they are. Like if you were to say, what are your favorite games in the last two years? Mm-hmm. Of course, I would need time because my Rolodex is so full right now. I have to really sit down and waffle through. But uh, if you were to say, what are your favorite games in the last two years? I can almost guarantee you the majority of them will not be AAA releases. Yeah. Simply because of exposure. Like, I'd probably consider Wilma's Warehouse to be in there somewhere. Oh, it's got to be, right? I love Wilma's Warehouse. It's so good. Mm. Everyone's, um, everyone's talking about the Untitled Goose game. Have you tried that one yet? It's sitting in my Switch. It looks n- unbooted. It, it, looks, <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. I want to play it. It's just, I want to, like, I know it's like I'm going to boot it up and be like, okay, now I got to focus on it. I have to stick it out. When we are, that's why I'm like, I, I want to wait until I can give it time. It feels like it's one of those games where you can just kind of pick up and just, just play like a little while and put it back. Yeah. Well, it's like short too. It's like three hours I heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can go and like do a couple missions and uh, missions. <laughs> well, they are missions. <laughs> yeah. They the are. The game has missions. Like you have like a goal. Yeah. Like you got to do it in like the most awkward way possible. Yeah. They'll, they'll give you a checklist like, you know, scare the boy into the phone booth or steal this man's water. Or swap these, swap his glasses with another pair of glasses. Oh, evil stuff. Oh, you're the most jerky goose that ever. Oh no, there's um, the donk. So where I, I work at an office that's like right on a river, and um, in the spring, 
like no, not in the spring, but like in the summertime, like right in the middle of the summer, like there are geese everywhere, and there's there's goslings too. So like they're all having their babies at that time. They are so mean, and like they line like I have to walk down a hill down these stairs. They dare you to come near them, and like they all are hanging out on the stairs, and you can't like you start walking towards them, and they start getting super mean, and they'll, they'll chase you. Yeah, they'll brandish switchblades. So, I've seen it. So what we do. Some days, like some days, like I just I can't deal with it, and so I raise my hands up in the air and I go, Aah! and so like, they freak out, or just to make myself bigger, so they they walk up, they they don't run away, they just they call their champion, noises. they slowly walk away. Yeah, they get angry. They call their champion. We don't want to. We don't want to be seen with this. Call guy. the one who can defeat the human. <laughs> and he just shows up again. He's got two switchblades. There's a giant goose with switchblades. Okay, so, so this week we are talking about um saturn all-stars the sega saturn showcase the showcase saturn showcase i don't know where i got all-stars from the super mario All-Stars. we were talking about mario Brothers. yeah it must have been it so this is the sega saturn showcase um i've done a lot of sega like research not kind of research like looking at like their their remix albums and that's really piqued my interest back into this era of Sega music because I, I don't really know a whole lot about it. And so when I go back and look at it, I have like this kind of weird nostalgia of, I remember seeing that in a magazine and then I hear the music and I'm like, that music sounds like of this era, of this of this part of the 90s, you know? And it makes me feel really good. Yeah, I, and I have a Did weird, that? not exactly. The Saturn, I have a bizarre relationship. Not to say I don't play it or enjoy it. I have my Saturn at home. I was playing it not too long ago. I was playing Shining Wisdom on it. Hmm. But uh, unfortunately, there are just some memories I have with this machine where I just feel like it needed more. It Throughout the entire time it existed, it needed more. There, are, Of course, I know that the diehards listen to this right now going, you're out of your mind! There's the Saturn was amazing! In Japan, also, I mean, there's tons of tons of games. There's a whole Twitter feed of just Sega Saturn, fake Sega Saturn. Oh, that's Sega CD games. I'm sorry, never mind. That's Sega CD games, yeah. Sega CD games, fake the, Sega CD games. The Saturn, yeah. the system was built well. It's still one of the hardest to emulate, to my recollection. Yes. It was built very well. Um, it had capabilities to spare, but it's just the games weren't popping like they should have. They... Mm. They were. I felt like they were struggling for quality content that was exclusively theirs for pretty much the entirety of its life. Um, I just feel that way. Like this is not coming from research, mind. This is coming from just remembering owning it and going. I need to get a game that will rival my friend's PlayStation collection. Mm-hmm. And it's like ah, Astol <laughs> Rayman. Though I love Rayman. That's where I learned about Rayman. But I will also say Rayman One was a port of a Jaguar game, so not solely it. Right. And the only um the only Sega Saturn games that I really knew about, like when when the the system was like still you know active, was the like the fighting games like X Men versus Street Fighter and the Marvel superheroes, like and that's all I knew of because I was like oh they're like they're emulating the arcade like perfectly. Oh yeah, and that was really exciting to me. Now I do want to state up front that I picked tracks from three different games, but um, I think the majority of the big hitters that people typically know of, mm-hmm. I am not choosing, except for maybe one might be considered a big hitter, because, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I wanted to use this as an opportunity to pick tracks from games that I probably wouldn't bother with outside of this topic. Like, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. think to use them. And I, I picked specifically Smooth and Sexy Jams. From smooth, the Saturn? Smooth, Sexy, Sega Saturn. A smattering of Saturn. A smattering of Saturn. <laughs> Saturn. Uh, Saturn sounds like a drug that you take for, um, I don't know, for sleep. 
or a rice mix that you can buy ask, at the grocery store. Ask your doctor about Saturn. <laughs> Saturn. Or see, find Saturn in your local uh, grocery's freezer section. Also, just to clarify, he, he is intentionally pronouncing it that way. This is not an East Coast or our regional accent. Oh, yeah. I'm um, sorry for our, internet, uh, our our listeners not from the, where we are. Uh, we 100% know it's pronounced Saturn. <laughs> it's Saturn. <laughs> but I like the, that. That's a good point. I think about that. Yeah, it's pronounced Saturn. 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 But I always feel like I just generally pronounce Saturn. I think by the end of the episode, we're going to have said that word so many times, it's going to have lost all meaning. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Hey, this is an odd-numbered episode, so you start us off. Well, I'm going to pick a track from a game that... Well, I'm going to pick the track. <laughs> <laughs> the track is from a game that I don't think is ever talked about. Really? For good reason. Okay. It's called Bug, and the track Wait, title is... Bug, bug what? That's the name. It's just Bug. Just Bug. Not Bugs Bunny. Not Bugs Bunny. Not Bugaloo. Not Bugaloo. Not Bugaboo. Not Bugajuboo. Not bugs and gubs, just mm. bug. All right, just bug. Just bug. All right, just bug. And the track title is Insectia because the game's called Bug. I get it. <laughs> it's composed by Greg Turner. Listening to Insectia from the game Bug on the Sega Saturn, composed by definite first time on the show, Greg Turner. So, Bug, why the heck did I pick Bug? Was it a game I particularly loved growing up? No, not really. Do you have experience with this game? A little. So, when I bought the Saturn, mm-hmm. I purchased it because, actually very specifically because, I really wanted a 32-bit console. I wanted to get with the big league boys, but my brother already had the PlayStation in the house, and my parents were like, we're not getting two PlayStations, so make up your mind, do something Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So I actually ended up selling a good chunk of my Super Nintendo game collection, so all the big hitters were in there. Final Fantasy III, Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger, they were all in this load of games I sold to get what ended up being a Sega Saturn. And when I was at the store picking it up, I couldn't think of any games I wanted. Like, nothing really stood out to me. Mm. In fact, I'm glad I picked the two games I did pick because they turned out to be winners, but I totally bought them from like a, with a gut feeling. So, they were Guardian Heroes and Rayman. So not Bug. Not Bug. <laughs> However, when I was looking for the next game to get... I was completely dumbstruck for what it could possibly be. I had mm. no idea what I would want because nothing stuck out. So I spent a lot of time with the demo disc that came with the system. Right, right. Remember demo discs? <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of those. And on that demo disc was Bug. 
Now, I played this game a lot on that demo disc. It was just the first level of Bug, which was this theme. Okay. And uh, mm. I liked the cartooniness. I liked the elements behind it. Like It seemed like it would be a cool game. But in the end, it just... I never could bring myself to invest my income into it. That was, was like, like a, a platforming game, I'm assuming. Sorta. Of. So yeah. it was. This was a game where they were trying to experiment with how how can we make platformers look cool, utilizing the power of 3D. Now, keep in mind, this was early on. This was before N64, if I'm not mistaken. So there was no looming threat of Mario 64 yet, unless it was just being talked about still. Um, so. What they were doing with their 3D element was they were like, okay, well, he walks along straight lines. Mm -hmm. Like he, like sometimes it'll be like in a grid that's like more open, but he can still only walk left, right, or to and from the into the screen and away from the screen. Okay. Now, what they would do is he would actually can walk up walls sometimes, so that the, the wall, like the ground, would go straight. And, like, basically, the wall, ground would walk into the TV, mm -hmm. and then it would just go up into the TV. Yeah, and then it would go up. They go up. So he so would you start would walking see, along the wall. You only see his feet. Nah, you see his head. Oh, it'd be the other direction. Yeah, like he's basically walking up. I love how I'm doing this. No one, no one can <laughs> listen can see it. But he's like, zoop, going up the wall. Right. Okay. And then he goes up the side. And yeah. of course he can jump. And he does the typical quintessential bop and stomp. Yeah, jump on enemies to destroy them. Yeah, and he also mm. the thing that he could do was he could spit. Like, he could find cans of juice called Bug Juice, and when you picked up the game, oh, it would go, Bug Juice! Really? Yes, oh, and he okay. would spit at the insects, the other insect enemies, and kill them that oh, okay. way. And he would always take, you know, typical quips that they would have, like, Ha ha! Stop ya! I'm gonna win! And just dumb stuff he would well, say. The, uh, with this kind of music, it makes me feel like the voice would be, like, kind of this old-timey, like, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, my was God. It, was it kind of like that or no? No, he was totally, like, sarcastic oh. cartoon guy. I, I like this track because it's like that um it's got that kind of crazy horn section of like a but it's it's all synthesizers so it sounds kind of like almost scary like when i first started it was like kind of surprising but i, I like in a good way and, you and know it's like it's, it's like really heavy synthy like yeah i love it i love the track because this sounds like a cartoon like it does yeah so yeah. i feel like a lot of times like looney tunes yeah Exactly. Yeah. Like I like I am a sucker for sounds like cartoony wacky mm. sounds. I love it. I feel like that should be a topic someday, but it'll be hard to pinpoint tracks specifically with that in mind. But uh, I feel like we hit the but it'd be hard to focus on them. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I but I, I genuinely love like these wacky cartoons. I love them. I love these sounds. This sounds like like a car, like car honking for somebody to get yeah, out of the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're trying to cross like a busy road, mm -hmm. and like and then Bugs Bunny gets run over, and he's like a little pancake on the ground, and he pulls himself up, and he shakes himself off, and or he, he goes does, and he's carriage. He does that thing like where they're, like they're 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 paper thin, and they kind of waddle. You know, I'm doing a thing with my hands now. I like that. Yeah. And I think it's funny. Tiny Toon Adventures years ago taught me that that actually has a name. Those oh. things all have names. A wild take. That's right. Yes. That was one of my favorite. And also, I tried to come up with my own wild takes, which I think was the most hilarious <laughs> thing of all. Because I, you humans can't really truly do wild you, takes. You can't bug. You can't like take your uh, your uh, eyeballs out of your head. And... Exactly. Like, but I wanted to. I was like, maybe if I try really hard. <laughs> I can like make it look like my eyes are bugging out and then popping back in, which is also why there was that news story a long time ago what? about that person who actually couldn't no. make their eyes kind of pop out of their head and back in, what? and it was like really all my friends were like ew gross, and I'm like they can do a wild take that's awesome. <laughs> it also sounded really <laughs> dangerous. Do it. Someone's doing them. 
Someone's uh, getting so shocked their eyeballs pop out. Yeah, that's how do you how do you learn it? It's because he saw something crazy. <laughs> he just freaked out. He freaked and he was out. so he surprised himself, like, oh my god, my eyes just fell out. <laughs> I can pop them back in, oh, no, no big deal. Alright. Um alright, so my my first track is uh, nothing like that. I uh, know I wanna keep it I'm gonna keep it a in a little the, wild take. A little wild take ish. I'm gonna keep it sort of in this vein with the uh kind of jazzy sound. This is from Elevator Action Returns for the Sega Saturn. I don't have a, a specific composer for this. The only credits on the official soundtrack is Zuntada, which is the Taito house band. So someone from Zuntada or a group from Zuntada arranged, composed, and performed this track. This track is called Blow Up from Elevator Action Returns.
This is Blow Up from Elevator Action Returns for the Sega Saturn. This was composed by Zuntada, the Taito house band. Um, I did see the artist Yasuhisa Watanabe, who uh, is usually credited when uh, Zuntada is mentioned. So I don't know if that's the case or not. But on the official soundtrack, it's just Zuntada. Honestly, this track had quite the groove going. Oh, on. it's a special. This is a special groove. The spicy beat, one might say. And it, yeah, and it it starts out kind of funny too. So we'll, well, let's let's hit that again. Here we go. Like that's just cool. Like that's just a cool opening. Hmm. That oh, this this horn section at the beginning is absolutely incredible. And then that, that, that kind of waka waka guitar that happens later on. This is just a cool, cool track. Yeah, I am loving this very much so. And it's like, it's the perfect music to introduce all three playable characters. All right, here we go. I'd like <laughs> to introduce characters. Cart Bradfield. <laughs> Cart? Like, not Carl? Cart Bradfield. Who Eddie, sat down and came up with that name? Edie Burrett. Say it again? Edie. Okay, Edie's a normal Edie name. <laughs> Stretch, but normalish. And Jad the Taff. Jad the Taff. My face that can't be seen is very <laughs> twisted. Who? Someone sat down. So he's, he's like, he's we the... gotta come up with the most bonkers names we can for these guys. All right, all right we gotta have a guy in the game, um, like a Jeff character, but he's the tank. He's the tank. But we also have a character limit, apparently, right, so, so they have to have, like, four-letter names. So they wrote it down. All right, Jeff the Tank. Okay, no. Can't call him Jeff the Tank. How about J- Jad? Jad the Taff. Jad, Jad the, the Taff. Taff. Someone's like, yeah, Jad the Taff. Okay, ship right it. Done. Got it. So let's, let's go. Or it's like that Simpsons sketch where it's like, we need to come up with a catchy name like Poochie, but different. And they're like, <laughs> He's got the most terrible name because it's like Jad the Taff. Jad the Taff. Cart Bradfield. <laughs> Kids love names like Cart Bradfield. Give me that, but different. And oh. it's like, all right, main character's name is Cart Bradfield. I feel yeah, like, it is. I feel like Cart Bradfield was the evil version of MacGyver. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like MacGyver's had like an evil twin or like a... I feel yeah. like MacGyver, if he had an evil twin, he would just have a very normal name. But like in, um, was it, because uh, MacGyver's name was odd. Well, Quantum Leap had had an evil leaper. They're called the Dark Leapers or something. They had evil leapers on Quantum Leap? Yeah, because Scott Bakula had to go from time to time doing something good, right? Yes. There were the Dark Leapers who believed that they could get back if they went from time to time causing something horrible. Really? I mean, you think about it. Like in history, horrible things still happen. Yeah. So maybe that's a Dark Leaper. Oh, Dark Leaper. That's called Dark Mankind. <laughs> Dark Leaper. <laughs> uh, can you imagine, though? Like, that sounds like the worst possible scenario. Like, like Scott Bakula might be stuck, right? Mm-hmm. He might be stuck traveling from time to time, but he's got it good. Like, he's, you know, he's he's solving crimes. He's stopping terrorists. He's falling in love. And then what if, like, you, you were stuck in time, but you had to do all of the most horrible things? You, you have, to, like, create a, you have to create and, this virus yeah. and spread it across this continent. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Well, like, you got to get home, Sam. You like, cause earthquakes or something. Like, <laughs> like all the guilt you'd have to live with, you know, and still never get back. You have to murder that person and yeah. then frame his best friend for... No, I don't want to do that. Well, you do you want to get home or not? Because like, that's your only choice. Is there some sort of second option? Like maybe fake the murder and then 
when I'm gone, they'll realize how made up mm. it was, and he'll get off scot-free, but everyone will have learned a lesson by then. <laughs> everyone learns a lesson. <laughs> no one learns a lesson. <laughs> like like the end of, of the Quantum Leap episodes, so Scott Bakula is always like, it's like, oh, everything's working out okay. And then like he slowly fades away and then he fades into some like kind of dangerous situation. Oh boy. But the dark one would be like, he turns the key to like nu- the nuclear bomb codes and stuff like the whole, like like a big explosion happens behind him. And he's like, ah, I guess I'm gonna have to do this again. <laughs> uh, hopefully this is the last time. And he fades out. But into, that like, makes you wonder in and of itself too. But he if, fades into like a good situation and he has to make bad. Bad. Yeah. Like but that makes you almost wonder then. Honestly, I, I think I genuinely know the answer to mine, but if you had to do that, mm-hmm. Just to get back to normalcy, could you even bring yourself to do it? I feel like I would just succumb to the fate that's been set for me. How long would it take, though? I mean, Scott Biacula. Scott Biacula. He did it for a long time. I don't think he ever got back home. That's the thing. I don't know. I feel like he had a chance to, and it just worked. <sighs> no. See, now, see, now we got to watch the rest of Quantum Leap. I, I, I never saw the series finale. I did. I did. I, 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 when I went to rewatch the series, it was years ago. We started with the finale. So I was like, I wonder how this ended. I was like, oh. Also, I just realized we probably got people listening just have no clue what the heck Quantum Leap is. Um, that's okay. Um, just look up Scott Bakula on uh, Image Search Google, and you're welcome. And also, if you happen to really like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, there's an episode where they specifically riff on Scott Bakula. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I was like, oh, he, did he, did like he appear? Like the concept of Quantum Leap. Yeah, he was oh, in it, too. He was oh, awesome. on the episode, oh, too. that's good. Um, all right. So let's move on to your next track. I hope it's not, I'm not hope, I bet it's not as sexy as mine. It won't be, but I still love it so very much. And honestly, if this is a duplicate for the episode, I'll eat that because I checked, could not find it. Okay. And I'm baffled by the fact that I would not have chosen this in the past. I don't even know how that works out. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to pick a track from an all longtime favorite game of mine amongst my register of favorite games. Um, and this track is titled Punky Pumpkin Castle from the game Silhouette Mirage. Huh. And I've seen a variety of different composers listed for it, but the one that seems to stick out is Katsuhiko Suzuki of the Nazo 2 unit or something. Or oh. Nazo Square unit. Okay, it, um, that makes sense. Katsuhiko Suzuki was um, not so squared Suzuki, was his nickname when he worked with Konami. Oh, okay. And he was part of their house band, or he did stuff with their house band, the um, uh, Kuikahea Club. Mm-hmm. Kuikahea? Oh, I feel like, like I've heard that name yeah, before. Yeah, it's, like the, 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 it's called like the Square, like the Two Square Wave or the Square Wave Club. And that was like their, like their band. But no, all right, here we go. Um, Silhouette Mirage.
Welcome back. You're listening to Punky Pumpkin Castle from the game Silhouette Mirage, composed by Nazo 2 Unit member Katsuhiko Suzuki. This track, I am still amazed by the fact that we've been gone almost four years and I never played this on the show, because this is easily one of my favorite tracks in game composition. And I state that very confidently. It's got that. It does have that that Konami arcade sound to it to me. It's, it's got kind of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of feel to it, but it's also got that fun rock organ. It's such It's a, got everything, man. It's just yeah, so fun. fun. Yeah, like, this is a lot of fun. Like, I remember, like, years ago when I was in college, uh, Mike had, he had a Saturn that had one of those, like, carts that you could play imports from. Mm-hmm. And he would import games. He imported Radiant Silver Gun. He imported Silhouette Mirage. And he imported, I want to say he imported some other games too, but those were the two that stuck out the most. And he would come down to my dorm room. We'd play Silhouette Mirage and stuff in the dorm room. And I became obsessed with this game. Like, I couldn't own it, but I wanted to. <laughs> so I pretty much like bugged him to bring it down on a regular basis so I could keep playing it. Was this an import-only situation? No, I eventually came to the States years later. Like, we're talking like... Maybe two years after that. I get this game confused with um, uh, N64 Treasure Title for some reason. Like Bengayo? N- on the N64. Yeah, Bengayo was on the N64. No. Just didn't come to the States. No, 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 no. no. Tre- Mischief Makers? Yeah, Mischief Makers. Like, for some reason, I get the confused with Mischief Makers. Mischief Makers was a gem, yeah. too, man. But, like, this game also... Oh, I should get into that. So, the Japanese version of this game, we played it. It was all in Japanese. You couldn't understand any of what they were saying. And all the menus were in Japanese, too. Mm-hmm. So, if you went shopping at the store... You couldn't read anything. You had to base it all on pictures and like just make your best guess on yeah, what you, weapon you were buying. You start stuff. to like figure out like what's the kanji for okay and cancel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you it would made it made this game especially joyful because it was wacky as all get the heck out. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Punky Pumpkin Castle. The first time you hear this track is in an actual castle, and you're being chased by a giant wheel that's being propelled by enemies that are running in the wheel. So you can kill the enemies in the wheel to make the wheel slow down, or you can just keep running the heck away. Oh, cool. Or kill enemies before they get jumped before they jump into the wheel so that they can't speed it up. Nice. Um, but then at the end you fight us this weird guy who turns into a werewolf when the moon is full. Mm. And when he turns into a werewolf, uh-huh. he gets aggressive and you're fighting him, and it turns out when you beat him that the moon was just a cardboard cutout that was put up and they fooled him to think it was a moon. Oh, that's weird. And then the next place <laughs> this track plays is you're in like the new this like this new age city. Mm. And you're trying to find, you just you plop out of a portal on top of a limousine. Yeah. And when the guy driving the limousine realizes something's on his car, he's like, tells the butler to check it out. So the butler just smashes to the roof of the limousine and he's fighting you on top of the limo <laughs> with just his upper torso while the car is driving out of control. That's insane. And it's like, and it's funny because every once in a while the guy will go, watch where you're driving. And he'll like get back in the car and he'll turn down the street. Oh, that's funny. And then he'll just like, now you'll be like driving into the screen. He'll still have a narrower plane of movement. This game sounds crazy. Silver Barrage is amazing. Like, one of my favorite bosses is you walk into a TV studio. Again, this was all in Japanese, so we didn't know what the heck was going on. You walk into a TV studio, and you come across a woman, like a cardboard cutout of a woman, like typical TV, like bunny character from back in the day. And she's like, says something, because again, it's Japanese. And then out of nowhere, you get to this fight where you are, she's like, the character's constantly pulling a roulette wheel. Oh, sorry, sorry. The first thing she does, she drops you in a hole. And when you fall into the hole, you fight a boss who fights you with shadow puppets. And it's an amazing fight. It's just a guy who, like, 
he'll like the, the light will shine. He'll like do like this weird stance, and all of a sudden a, a shadow tank is firing shadow bullets at you, oh, wow. and they hurt you, and you become a shadow dragon, and it's awesome. Then you come back out, you realize that the bunny person was actually this little tiny woman holding a bunny girl cardboard face on a stick. And then you gotta fight her. She smacks you with the bunny face. And she pulls a roulette <laughs> wheel that turns. And you gotta stop the roulette wheel to get oh, items or enemies. Wild. The entire game is great. And the boss at the end of that stage, I'm just talking nuts about this game. The boss at the end of that level is this guy with a really big nose who runs the city you're in. And the way you beat him is that he's you're fighting him over a giant pot of soup, and he's in the background. And over time, as the soup is cooking, he will take a he'll inhale. The soup's fragrance. Right. And when he inhales it enough, he, like, blows this weird energy wave at the screen, and it damages you. But, and this is where I got to talk about how the game functions, every character in the game is one of two things. Yeah. Silhouette, which is blue, mm-hmm. or Mirage, which is pink. Pink, yeah. I'm now, the based main, on the, the title. <laughs> yes. I'm looking at the cover, yeah. Now, the main character is both of those things. So she embodies both of those abilities, those concepts. Now, what ends up happening here is that the boss you're fighting, he is a mirage. And the enemies that are fighting you over this bowl of soup are both types. So your goal is to grab the right type of enemy and throw them in the soup to contaminate his soup. <laughs> so that once you've contaminated enough, he inhales and starts choking on it. And that's how you damage it. You make him choke on his soup. Oh, that's insane. It's so good. Oh, this game is adorable looking, too. Now, one so last thing cute. to talk about. So, it's funny. Like, this is going down like a rabbit hole. So, eventually, this game did come to the United States. Yeah. Uh, Working Designs picked it up, mm-hmm. decided they were going to release the PlayStation version of it in America. Um, but, whereas a lot of the time, I'm actually okay with when Working Designs tweaks their games because they were known for just making decisions on their own to say, this is how we're going to make the game better for the United States audience. Huh. This is one of the few times where I was like, you guys really screwed the pooch. What'd they do? So they rebalanced all of the weapons. Oh. So weapons in this game use energy. They're basically the weapons are considered they're called parasites, and they determine the type of gun you fire. But the energy weight, the energy consumption on a lot of the weapons were pretty balanced. But there was one weapon in the Japanese version that was really good. It was the dragon beam, which is a giant constant beam that you spray it, guy. So they figured to make people use other weapons, they make the dragon beam drain energy really fast. Oh, so interesting. So it was almost not even usable long term. I thought it was like they were going to balance it so like things were less overpowered or maybe more overpowered to make things easier. Well, in a way, they did with the weapons. They wanted to make it harder because the dragon beam made it really easy. You just hold down the button, the beam would fire, and you just have to hold it concussive fire. So, so instead, they just made it like drain super fast so you couldn't use it so frequently. Exactly. Uh, and it a, requires you to use other weapons. It's of a course. clever solution to what they were trying to do, but... And Probably yet, frustrating as a player. Exactly, mm. because while they did it with that, it also ended up they also ended up tweaking the energy use of the other weapons, but it ended up happening where when you combine the entire idea together, mm. you always found yourself fighting bosses and you were like required to drain energy from bosses <laughs> in order to use weapons again, which I guess may have been part of their plan too, but it kind of burns you where you were like, crap, I'm out of weapon energy. How do you do it? You gotta mug enemies to get energy back. Cause that's how you get money and energy. You mug enemies. It's fantastic. So you just, you just, you grab take. them with your hair, and then with the other lock of hair, you start punching them in the face, <laughs> and you start knocking the money out of them. And then you can suck the energy out of them by using the same attack. I don't think this game has a good influence on you. Oh, this game is wonderful. <laughs> Still, Mirage is amazing. Like yeah. I'll sell to anybody. Like oh. even with the way they ported it over in America, I still would recommend mm. it. 
So, and the other bad thing about the game that sucked was that they translated it all to English, which, again, normally is totally fine. But... 1990s translations? Yeah. So, the main character had her normal attacks, and she had a shield that she could use to reflect bullets of the opposite type, or the same type. And whenever she put the shield up, she would go, in Japanese, GIGAFLECTA! And it sounded really adorable and cute. And you had no idea what she was saying. You just kind of assumed she was saying reflector because it sounded like the American version had an English voice actor who was okay, but every time she put the switch, she goes, reflector shield, reflector shield, reflector shield. <laughs> and you just heard it over and over. <laughs> every time you put the shield up, it made you want to play a no shield run. Screaming like, the door is ajar. The door is ajar. Yes. Mind the gap. <laughs> Mind, Mind the, the gap. gap. Mind the gap. Like, I know the gap is there. Uh, I know you're putting up the shield. You can stop telling me now. We all see, know. I thought we were going to say it was like the, the translation translation, not like the like they brought in new voice actors. I always thought that was funny where in some of these games where there's not a lot of like voice acting mm-hmm. and, and, and the Japanese voice actors are saying things in English. Maybe they're not, you know, in our perfect English. Or English. But they're saying it in, their, and they're saying it in English. But like... It's fine. You can understand what they're saying. And half the time, it doesn't matter what they're saying. They're just screaming out, like, whatever It adds to the charm, like power. your spark yeah, bomber exactly. thing you liked. Yeah, and then, like, in the, that was their vision or their design was to have, you know, a cute character with a cute voice. And why not keep it? Why not keep it? And we got Reflector Shield. They did that. Reflection. They Reflector. did that with uh, uh, GigaWing 2 on the Dreamcast. In, in Japan, there was, there was actually a ton of voice acting. It was practically a visual novel between stages mm-hmm. but when you're playing the game they remember they would scream their attacks and it was fantastic and um and they would just reflecto force and and like they would just I constantly remember. be yelling but like they took all the instead of translating it instead of adapting it they took it all out so That's when they released terrible. it in america they took they took out all of the all of the um all the voices they kept all of this the visual novel sequences but it was all just translated to English. Very, I remember it was really like. Um, was it like they got the janitor and his kids to come in and do some voice work? No, no, there was um, there was no voice acting. They just kept the text. Oh, I see. It was text in those yeah. scenes. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, so they, they took out all of the voice acting and just left the text. So then during the the action sequences of the game, it was just the music and some of the the, the sound effects. But it was really obvious that the game hinged on the screaming because it seemed really quiet otherwise. Maybe and that's the one somebody it would have been better served just to add a dip switch in the game to say, Do you want voices on or off? That would have been nice. And I like to choose. I feel like maybe option to choose. Probably would see that more now than than back then. I mean that was the Dreamcast, but because I look I look back on all that kind of stuff mm. and I mm. genuinely appreciate the, the absurdity of some of those games we used to oh, play. Oh me too, yeah. With like I mean like what was it? Puyo Puyo four all Japanese voices and there was the fish character where we did it was like fish he would just say fish oh we used to uh, Christy and I used to play um, a bub- um, uh, bust a move uh-huh. puzzle bobble but it's like a bust a move uh, four for the playstation every song every stage had the same song except for that one but there was that little mermaid character that would go big wave and it was amazing big wave i never wanted that to leave the game and we you fought st- the devil lock character when he could go wee, 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 wee. Yeah, that's right it's so dope we can still look at each other and just go big wave and, and you know, know exactly it. what it means you still know it all right so i'm gonna move on to my Second track. This is from the game. I'm gonna go with this this crazy one. This is Goketsuji Ichiko 3 Groove on Fight 
Yeah, that one. That game. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't believe it's got an American release, but the, the main title is Groove on Fight for the Sega Saturn. It's a, it's a 2D fighting game with some really interesting characters on it. Very, uh, very cartoony. This track is called Mystic, and I don't have a composer right now. We'll see when we get back. This is Groove on Fight for the Sega Saturn. from the game Groove on Fight Goku Tsuji Ichiko 3 for the Sega Saturn composed by Toshikazu Tanaka um, under the alias Densiu this is like, oh, I, I picked this track one because it's, it's got that cool like super like I don't know it's like really classic 90s like sexy Sade kind of jam it's like to me, it's like Sade slash PM Dawn. I just I love this. This is I'm just this is why I want to do Sega Saturn today because I heard this track today and I was like, ooh. I'm honestly floored because <laughs> you made that you made that reference to something earlier while we were talking that is putting a lot of pieces together for me in such a strange way. Oh, yeah. So all right. So um, this is the third installment in the the fighting game series Power Instinct. Um which I didn't realize had a second installment. <laughs> so, um, as this is developed and published by Atlas, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense because the characters are very... Um, Atlas. At- 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 Atlassian. <laughs> and 
this pretty interesting little bit of uh, trivia, which I, you know what, I've lost completely. Wait, no, here we go. Here's the trivia. <laughs> it's like I lost it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going okay. to edit this later. All right, so in Persona 1 for the PlayStation, uh, the hero's alternate self in the Well of Mind and Souls, which does that mean anything to you? Yes, it does. Okay, good. Um, is seen playing Groove on Fight. And then this reference was carried through, not just on the PlayStation, but when it was remade on the PSP. See, that is an interesting thing for me to hear because, well, for one, it's awesome that that scene he was playing where he was playing the game was actually based on a real game. The Well of Mind and Souls, for the sake of the game, just a quick hit, was that he was basically going to find the main, his the, the heroine's actual soul. Because it was lost in the well of souls, mm. she was losing herself, and they went to her. Her ideal self went to go find her actual soul and coax it into believing that she deserved to live. Oh wow! It was an interesting game. Yeah. Basically, think of like think of a game where you are a character in a world, and you think you're that person, but you come to realize that you're actually in a fake world hmm. that's composed of your actual brain, like that person's brain. And the person that you are in this world is the ideal version of that person, and the actual person is actually in a hospital dying. Jeez, man, that is way too deep for a Thursday night. <laughs> yes, but it was so. That's why I love Persona One and Two oh, so friggin' much. But the main character was actually there was like a, a version of him inside the well too. Basically, was how she saw him. Yeah, and he was in there playing that game because she like he was like the cool kid who would play games in the arcade and stuff like that. Oh wow! But the other thing that made an interesting connection is that as we were listening to this track, there were moments where where I was jokingly making voices that I thought you were recording it or something because I would hear talking yeah. in this track. And it made me wonder if either A, this is the composer of certain tracks in Persona 1 that I didn't realize, or if that composer was inspired by this composer because... Persona 1 is the only game I've ever played where mm -hmm. while you are playing the certain music chess or while it plays, there would just be this very quiet conversation or set of words being said in the mm -hmm. background. Well, here, here we have a Yuga stage. So let's turn it up. So listen really closely. Yes. Here, one more. I swear, like, Bam. still, still, that to me sounds like, like, like a '90s like R&B. Like they sampled another track, or someone's like doing some kind of spoken word poetry in the background. But that's just the They're thing, like, though. Like, it's like Prince, like so, Prince is saying, "All my, all the lovers in the back, everyone love each other." You well, know, but like it's way in the background. Well, to give you an example, and we can check it out. I don't know off, why it's off, Prince, by off the way. show too, <laughs> if you want to hear it while I'm here. But there are two tracks that I know off the top of my head in Persona One. Diva Yuga's theme and the Seabet Corporation themes. Both of those tracks, while they're playing, you would hear like someone talking in the background at where was like, but so I talked to her and I said to her, here's the thing. And it's just, I don't even remember the exact words because it's so long ago. But when you listen to those tracks, you're like, there is a weird, faint conversation happening in the background, like a set of words they threw in there. So I just thought it was weird that this is the only other time I've ever heard that. And it's from a game that directly references the game where I heard this style of music played in. Doesn't that seem odd to you? No, it, it all it all really seems to fit. I think I think I want to like in one neat little packet. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is actually 
a little bit of research to see like what what kind of crossover is between some of these composers. It, it seems like a little bit too too much. Okay, here we go. Um, Princess Crown, Matramele. That game is awesome, by the way. No, so I mean, I love Matramele. Right off, right off the bat, um, SNK games and a lot of fighters. And he's not on Persona One, right? No, no, sir. Yeah, not that I can see here, but we can, we can. Um, this is not a this is not a complete list, so we can take a look in a little while. So what's what's your next track? All right, so my last track for this is from another game, which I actually didn't realize was even released on the Saturn until we started prepping for this episode. Not only that, but apparently they have an arranged album that was run where the tracks were run exclusively in this version of the game. That's oh, perfect. Good. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So the game is called Battle Garega. Oh, yes. This is a classic, classic. This is an arranged track from the Saturn version of the game. Mm-hmm. It's for stage four, and it's called Degeneracy. And I know it's composed by Minabu Namiki, but right. I believe it also has an arranger associated with it, and that person is, let's see, Takayuki Aihara. Excellent. <laughs> Listening to Degeneracy, Stage Four theme, but arranged <laughs> from the game Battle Garega, released on the Sega Saturn, originally composed by Minabu Namiki, but also arranged by Takayuki Aihara. This track, that saxophone is a friggin' beast. Ooh. This is a this track. I 
I, thought, I can't fathom shooting down planes of this. I want to listen to this in a more relaxed setting. I thought I was bringing all the all the smooth, sexy Saturn jams. Oh, but no, no I, you got it. I can dig them up. It just takes a little <laughs> bit of work, but I can dig them up. Oh, oh yes. This is fantastic. I love this. This is everything I love about shoot 'em up music. Like when it's just super, super smooth. Mm-hmm. Oh, that saxophone is just getting me, man. I love that saxophone. I would. I mean, I have this game on PS4, mm-hmm. but I don't recall these arranged tracks being in there, which is why I was forward to hear this. Wow, like, wow, oh, man. Maybe it's a direct port of like the arcade and of the, um, I guess from the SNK. I'm no, it's not SNK. This is Psycho. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is a gem of a game. I mean, gameplay wise, this. You're, uh, from my recall, it's like your typical shooter, but it's, it's a done. It's well done. Don't get me wrong. No, this is one of the first like bullet health games, or like what started the bullet health. Really? Yeah, I think I've talked about this. Yeah, where some of the uh, programmers went off to do to work with them. Um, oh, on, they went to cave on, onto cave. Yeah. So, which is why, like, because this this game was one of the first to have so many bullets on the screen at one time, so it was like really challenging to play, which is why it was also really hard, like, because player um, playability wasn't exactly in mind so bullets were really hard to see yeah they really like, were they were like the same color as like some of the walls same color as some of the planes which is one of the cool things they did about the remake that they did on the or late, these current consoles they actually set an option where you can change the color of the bullets so they stand out more yeah, make, yeah. Make them pink if you want and I think that's that was that was one of like the things like when they started doing things like Dudon Pachi and like all those other, like uh, Espagaluda and um uh, Death Smiles for sure. Death That's smiles. when I first noticed it. A lot of those games that Cave started doing, they were like, let's make these shooter games that make them incredibly hard, but we have to make it so that the player can actually you know, learn to play these games, as, as, as insane as, these, as the difficulty gets. Mm-hmm. Um, so by making the bullets bright blue and bright pink, they're at least giving the player a chance to understand what's happening. You can pink. look at the screen and you can, you can translate what's going on and there's like kind of a, a, a there's a there's a conversation between the the game developer and the player and then you play death smiles black label mode and you just want to cry any of these black yeah all these games have black label modes for some reason <laughs> like, i mean it deserves it's like you rip that label off you're clearly a bullet hell savant and you're whether you're ready for the just the nightmare that is black label like yeah. in death smiles aside from just the enemies having horrible bullet patterns on their own every time you kill an enemy the enemy explodes into more bullets. Yes. Everything's explosive. Yeah, there's um, Dudan Pachi, Daijo Ao, um, Black Label. There's Mushihime-sama, Black Label. Like, they, they always, they, they all had that for some reason. And they were released as that, as standalone games in the arcade, but I think it was like, you had to unlock them or you can choose, like, the additional harder difficulty. Yeah, because I know oh, on wow. the Death Smiles version, when you put it in 360, you actually had to choose whether you wanted to play the Black Label version mm-hmm. or the normal one, and yeah. then you could go to the option screens and do normal stuff. See, that's that's like, I, I do like sound effects in games, but like when the music's like this, especially in a shooter, I just want to turn all the sound effects off, or like so low that I just feel the, the rumble of like explosions and stuff, because yeah, I, I just want to hear this. It's, honestly, yeah, this... This is a gem of a track to hear in a shooter. This is really good. This is really, really good. Excellent, oh. excellent pick. Thank you very excellent much. Pick. I know we, we fell down the rabbit hole of, look, of listening to Persona music. Yes. <laughs> like the past 10 minutes. And for the for those who know Persona, like, what the heck is Pernell talking about? I did remember, Steebeck did not have voices. It was just this one part where we go, broop, broop. Yeah. And I was like, that's not a voice. That's just like frog croaking or something. But there's another song. 
There was definitely another song in that game that had voices. It was crazy. Aside from the Diva Yuga, which I let you hear, you were like, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah, Diva Diva Yuga. The, um, but it was very similar where it was like way in the background. Maybe it was like sampled from like some like public access TV thing. They just left in there. And it just, but it works. It's like ghost-like. It makes no yeah. sense. But then you hear it and you're like, you hear it and all of a sudden you're like, go sightseeing. And you're, you're listening to the track and as it comes up, you go, do, 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 sightseeing, do, do, sightseeing. You're like, why am I saying this? Because it it's a part of the song. Yeah, now, it becomes like it subliminal. Works. All right. So my last track is from another fighter. It's called The Last Bronx or just Last Bronx for the Sega Saturn, composed by Tomoyuki Kawamura, and this is Dark Rooftop. Why does it got to be a dark rooftop? It's rooftop. Why can't it just be well lit? In the dark. Less no, dangerous. Because the lights, they turn them off. Saving money on electricity? Is can't, that what it was? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay up, up here. Oh, it's closing time. Clo- uh, time, to take your, <laughs> time to take your quarters and go home. Go back to the places that you will be from. And spend them there. Get out. Put all your quarters <laughs> over there. Anyway, last Bronx for the sake of Saturn. to Dark Rooftop from the game Last Bronx for the Sega Saturn composed by Tomoyuki Kawamura 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 Nakaruru It's amazing I can even talk tonight Nakaruru <laughs> Close enough um, Last Bronx That's not how no, dark rooftop. no one says it that way No, <laughs> It's one. a dark Maybe, rooftop well, Correction Barbara Walters would say it that way yes. but no one else No no. Anyway, I, I chose this one because I really like that crazy like rhythm. It's like scattered all over the place. But it is it is quite short. Um, it's still got that cool smooth guitar. I'd call it a bopper. That a sweet slap bass. A lot of slap bass tonight. This isn't the track that makes you want to take my quarters and go home though. No. You want to kind of want to hang around for a while with them quarters. Yeah. That's a special attack. I throw all the quarters at the opponent. Start throwing them in the last Bronx. And then the follow-up move is I go pick them all up. <laughs> so I'd better connect so that they don't get scattered all over. <laughs> so there's um, there's the, there's less Bronx. There's final Brooklyn. There is uh, the ending of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> the end of Queens. You got all five boroughs in there. And the final. I feel like it should be like final Harlem. 
Final, final Harlem. <laughs> final. Starring Eddie Murphy. It's Final Manhattan. <laughs> I say I would totally go see a movie called Final Harlem starring Eddie Murphy. Yeah, actually, no. Final Harlem sounds like it would be like a, like a cool kung fu movie for some reason. Because it would be. It would be, right? It would be amazing. I would pay for that. But would Eddie Murphy be in it? Yes. He's making a comeback now, so it would be perfect. Okay. You know, who am I to question? Like, can we have The Rock, though? Because he, like, you put him in anything, people will watch it, right? That is true. He'd, bring, he'd fill the seats. And well, he, made oh. you, he, he helped Jumanji. But as a twist, he plays the villain. No! Yeah. Actually, you know that. You know about him, right? He, he won't so, he, no, he won't do it. He won't do it. He like, won't ever play a villain. I um, love that about him. He, I don't know. He refuses to play characters that don't, like, he refuses to play characters, and he won't play the villain, and he refuses to play in a film that has an unhappy ending. Okay, you know, like, I, I feel like that's just The Rock, though. Like, at this point, that's just who he, like, Dwayne Johnson. He already stated it, though. I, I know, but, like, imagine him playing, like, a really evil character, but doing that smile that he has. It would be so unsettling. Yes, it would. It would but so I don't unsettling. want that. I don't want that in my world. I don't want an unsettling Rock. I want The Rock to always be a positive a, force yeah. in the movie. He never, did, he never turned heel in wrestling, did he? I don't think so. He was always just kind of like just the the like the fool of himself, like rock star, right? Yeah, yeah. very. Po- he was always positive, but also <gasps> kind of arrogant. Was that why he was called the Rock? Because he was the rock star. Either that, or he was like, immobile. He was immobile. <laughs> you could tell how old he was based on the, the layers of sediment on his skin. <laughs> oh Jesus! Because no. Rock, I'm yeah. the rock, and nobody mows me. You know what? People tune in for the geology jokes. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to turn this track down, and we're in the part of the show we call the bonus round. All right, bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme today. Pranal, what'd you find? Well, I'm going to. I'm going to lie to you. It was actually really hard to find a good arrangement for a Saturn game. Like, I'm sure if I went just like Sonic the Hedgehog or something, it would have been out there. But, Daytona! Or Daytona. Go away! But every time I was like, I'm going to see if I can find a, a, a cover or a remix for this track. Couldn't find it. This track huh. couldn't find it. Really? And I was just, I was about to give up hope. And then I came across this beautiful beast of a track. It's from a game that everyone, their grandma, knows of if they've known of the Saturn. But why not? This game is called Nights into Dreams. Mm. The track is Dreams, Dreams, the soul jazz cover. And it's composed by Ness, spelt with an exclamation point in the word. And it stands for Nice. Edmund is super sumo wrestler. I'm not making that up. <laughs> Sometimes we find these artists on YouTube or like, you know, they have like, they maybe they have Patreons and stuff, but we've discovered them through YouTube. They have the craziest names. This name is my favorite like I've come the, across. Yeah, no, ages. I like this one too. Nice!
welcome back. Hopefully you just enjoyed that very interesting rendition of Dreams Dreams, the soul jazz cover variant from the game Nights into Dreams, composed by Nice Edmund is super sumo wrestler. <laughs> I can't stop laughing when I try to say that oh, name. Oh man, I I have to, okay, so these links are gonna be on the, the website because this this band or this this I don't know, this maybe he's an arranger and he works oh, an with ensemble. Yeah, he works with other um other musicians. It, they're so good. Yes, they These are. guys are excellent. I just, I was floored when I heard it. Yeah. Like, well, because at first I was like, I don't know if I want to do another night's cover, especially not the main theme. I like this. And I was like, yeah. Like, I'm, I changed my mind. This has to go. I'm good for this. And I liked it very much. I like the name of the band. I like the way they play their tracks. I like everything. Yeah, they have a very, um, like, sense of humor about, like, how they. Like they're not like being goofy while they're performing, but like their artwork and like the way they name things, like they just they're having a lot of fun, and it, it sounds really good. Fun is the name of really, the game, really man. Good. So if you like that kind of cool jazzy sound with a lot of piano and a lot of uh, bass guitar, um, we'll check them out. Um, just don't are. challenge them because apparently one of them is a super sumo wrestler. Yeah, and you don't want to get down Remember, with that. Nice, Edmund is a super sumo wrestler. So for my arranged, it's not. Like first of all, I feel like kind of bad because like that was a great pick, but <laughs> but um a lot of games that were ported or re-released onto the Sega Saturn came with arranged soundtracks, mm-hmm. like you had with Battle Garega, and so for my bonus round, it's Magical Sound Magical Sound Shower from Outrun for the Sega Saturn. Say that three times fast. I will not. And <laughs> um, this is a remix or an arranged version that was um, created for the game. Outrun for the Sega Saturn, composed and arranged by Hiroshi Kawaguchi.
just took you on a magical sound shower through the game of Outrun for the Sega Saturn. Did you bring a towel? Did you turn on your wiper blades? I hope so. Because that's a lot of music in the way. Magic that, ring. That was um, out, Outrun for the Sega Saturn with the magical sound shower remix composed, arranged, remixed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. And for more information on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to the artist's band camps, and SoundClouds, and everywhere you can buy the music and support the artists. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 20-3 of Rhythm and Pixels, our Sega Saturn showcase. And it's been a while since we've done like a specific Sega Saturn thing. Yeah, a long time. Honestly, yeah, because like I feel like when it comes for me, at least to Saturn, aside from very specific games, I have a hard time gravitating towards those when I'm picking tracks for overall themes. So having a focus on the system was a good way to get these tracks on. Like for example, the track that's playing right now is from a game called Mystaria, the Realms of Lore, if I remember correctly, for the subtitle. And uh, it's interesting because I bought the game when it came out, beat it, returned to the store before the return period ended because I was that kind of kid. And then repurchased it later in the years after they after they changed the name because they got sued by or they were they had a I don't know if it was sued or they just got forced to change the name mm. by the company that runs Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because huh. apparently Mystaria is also a realm in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, they weren't having that. That's so generic sounding. <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, Mystaria. That and, probably wouldn't fly nowadays. We'd be like, oh, come on. There's like a like 20 books called Mystaria. I wonder, honestly. It wouldn't mm. surprise. I could see them still making that push. Yeah. I mean, heck, and that's my, why games want you named your character after beverages. My 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 father named me Mystaria. My name is Robert Mystaria Nichols. That and explains you, did you a ever, lot. Yeah, whatever. Wonder what that M stood for. It's well. First thing is, I wonder where the M came from yeah. because we've established there's an F in there somewhere. It, it truly is. Mystaria. It's it's Mick Mystaria. <laughs> Mystaria. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, thanks thanks for listening to the show. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, um, if you want to say hi to us, um, if you have a track suggestion, a topic suggestion, or if you're an artist, or if you're in a band and you'd like to send some tunes our way or just to say hello, please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for more information about our show, full track listing from all the episodes, access to all the episodes, and links to all the other cool stuff that we've got going on, check out the website. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail. Nope. Nope. Rhythmandpixels.com. <laughs> just rhythmandpixels.com. The Apple. Yeah, and then... Um, uh, yeah, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. We have a group on Facebook called Rhythm and Pixels Chat, mm-hmm. and that's always hopping. Lots of people chatting. You have a Discord that's linked on our website. We talk there sometimes, too. I'm getting better at it. I'm um, getting better. Mainly talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I do chime in every once in a while, but I'm just bad at it. You go to uh, YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. We... Uh, also have all of our episodes available there. We have clips from some of our live streams and um, we have a 24-7 uh, radio station playing there. Nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts. And then if you'd like to support the show, you can hit subscribe or rate. You can just tell people about it. That's fine. Share it with your friends. Yeah, Share just, it with your enemies. You know, um, uh, Halloween's coming up. You know, you could just 
play us in the background of your Halloween party? I see. That's a good idea. Or I take mean, the URL and right. wrap wrap it and wrap the candy with the URL on a piece of paper. Yes. And hand it out to all the trick or treaters. When, when, when the kids peel open their Tootsie Rolls and it has like a URL in it. They'll think they're getting a prize. They think, and guess what? They are. They are. Music. Musical mastery. <laughs> um, you can also support us in other ways at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. There you get access to a live streamed episode every week. That's uh, us. Every month. Every month. Not every week. <laughs> every record every week. Um, but once a month, usually at the end of every month, we uh, we record in front of a live streamed audience. Which reminds me. I definitely want to point this out before I forget. So... Last episode where we did this, we were discussing uh, ideas suggested by a listener, that Nick Walker, about... Oh, that Nick Walker. That's right. Am I right? That's the one! <laughs> uh, he was, He suggested giving the patrons a theme this month yes. for their track selections. And while I had one theme in mind, I decided to just say the heck with that, simply because, quite frankly... It's friggin' October, which means... Oh, it's the, and it's the end of October. Exactly. Which comes, so it'll, be, it'll be some scary That'll stuff. That'll be our spooky episode, and since we'll be doing a Patreon one, let's throw it to you guys. Right. Get us with your spookyookies. So think about that. So And keep in mind, yeah. as we say that, it doesn't have to necessarily be so you peed yourself or anything. It could be thematic for the song. It could be thematic for the where it's played in the if game. You have, if you have a story about the track, something that's scary or a, a dumb ghost story, like we anything goes. Exactly, it all sounds great to me. You, you can make if you can swing it to make it fit. Mm-hmm. It may make it. Just that's, submit it and have fun. That's right. So uh, we're not spooky tunes because that's been um, copy- that's copyright. <laughs> that's, that's protected by XVGM Radio now. So. I enjoy having my legs. I don't want them broken. So we are spoop spoopy. Yeah, we are, we're spoopy tunes. We're spoop. <laughs> we're spoopy. S- spoopy beats. Spoopy beats. <laughs> don't break our legs. No spoopy beats. Uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike Levi's and Justin Bieber's. Don't break our eggs. Um, all right. So uh, also, we like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers at the end of every episode, and we have a number of new subscribers this month. Did you know that, Pernell? I did ish. Oh, when I come across their names, I'm going to point to you, and then we'll say their name together. Okay. And, and we'll, then we'll high five. All uh, right. That's a lot now. Let's <laughs> shake hands. All right. We have uh, that Nick Walker. We'd like to thank Mike Myers, Phantom Jest, Steve Miller, the Autistic Gamer eighty nine, Cameron Worma. Christopher Senstrom, Bobby Arson of One Up Funk. Check them out on Instagram at One Up Funk. Wicked Sephiroth, OK Impala, Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast. Kung Fu Carlito. Kung Fu Carlito. Uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast. Brian Pitt, Chris Murray, <laughs> Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy. Hey, there's a new one. That's right, man. Thank you. Thank you, Ed Wilson. We also have. Alexander Proudfoot. Honestly, now I'm wondering what your shoe size is because my foot's very proud, and it's a 16. We'd like to thank Davy Cakes. I like that name. So <laughs> I know it's a great name. Davy Cakes. Um, uh, the dude or that dude or you know that Duderino. The Duderino. Uh, the, the dude. The dude. Dude man. Dude tastic. Dude. Dudester. The dude. Thank you, dude. Uh, the last weekend. Bedroth. Bedroth. That's a new one. That's a new one, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, he's on our. Yeah, he's in the he's in the in the in the stream in the Discord chat. Oh, okay, great. Awesome guy. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Bedroth. Uh, Jupiter Jazz, Solus Sanctuary, Damian Beckles, Joe Vasallo, Chris Tienerson, Alex the Messenger, Messenger, patron saint of all VGM podcasts, and David Smith. 
Thank you all very, very much for your... You're getting tongue-tied soon. Uh, It's bad. (laughs) Thank you all so much for your continued support of the show. And we have a special guest next week who will be here. Darn it. Yes! Uh, And I know he's looking forward to coming on the show too, so it's going to be a good time. Um, We have... He's a musician. We have a few musicians this month. So... Part of the joy. Spread the musical love. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for being good people. Yes. Thank you for making this community as awesome as it is. Mm -hmm. Thank you just for the heck of it. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That's all the show. Good night, everybody. You. Thanks for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell Percival Pernwilliger. You <laughs> 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 just forgot what you were going to say? No, I was thinking of what was the M word again? Pernell Percival Pernwilliger. No, it was yeah. I'm gonna go with that. Anyway, I was. What was the dumb joke I made? Uh, you know what? It doesn't. You know what? Clearly, that joke needed to be left far behind the podcast. In the past, I'll find it and edit it. Thank you and good night. And remember, sometimes you might find yourself in a position where you kind of feel like you're just going through your day to day motions, just kind of like a ghost through the walls, just floating around doing your thing and going home, not really interacting with anybody or doing whatever. And sometimes you might even find yourself thinking, for whatever reason, that you don't all that much matter. And I got to tell you, that's not true. You might not realize it. You might not necessarily be coming in contact regularly with the people that you matter to. But trust me, you matter to people. And when it comes to be, when you come to learn and realize that, it, it feels like a wonderful surprise. But you don't always get that information. But when you do, you'll feel great. Just know that you do matter. And... That's enough to be around. Just keep being, keep existing, keep being a great person that you are because it's appreciated, dang it. I appreciate it, and I might not even know you, (laughs) but it's a fact, Jack. Have a good night.